With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Yes, welcome to episode 10 of the Alamayers Everton podcast. I know it's been a while. Uh, some of us have to have a holiday, you know. And um, But you know what? It, it's great to be back and uh, we've got a really packed show for you uh, today. Uh, we're going to be going over to Australia, to Brisbane Raw, to, to catch up with Tony Grant and see how he's getting on. Remember, he's uh, over there with his friend Robbie Fowler to uh, to manage Brisbane Raw. They're coming up to the start of the season, so uh, we'll be looking forward to that with Tony uh, and just catching up on him. He's got a couple of interesting and uh, thought about Everton currently as well at the moment. Uh, we've had three interviews which I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, Paul Wilkinson, remember him? He scored against us for Grimsby in the Cup uh, back in the 80s and uh, we promptly went out and bought him and uh, scored a memorable goal against Liverpool in the derby uh, very shortly after that. Uh, we'll be catching up with Paul. He's now manager of Berry. I say manager of Berry. He uh, he hasn't uh, taken a game yet because of their situation, but uh, I caught up with him a couple of weeks ago. We'll also be hearing uh, from Tenerife and a lad called Rob Wakenshaw. Now, for all the, the younger listeners, uh, you won't remember him, but uh, Rob Wakenshaw, and he played about three or four games for Everton, uh, but he made an absolute impact uh, when he came into the side. He was thrown in uh, against Manchester United and scored the winner. Uh, you'll be getting the story of that and the story of how he ended up leaving Everton very shortly after that as well. So a really good interview with Rob Wakenshaw. Uh, the blonde bombshell, if I remember rightly, uh, from the days in 1984, I think it was, 83, 84, uh, when he burst onto the scene. And an interview which I know you'll enjoy and I know you'll find very interesting with uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Nick Barmby, um, who, of course, divides opinion uh, with Evertonians. Uh, he left, didn't he, to join Liverpool, but uh, never really explained how he felt at the time. And this is the first interview, I think, with with Nick Barmby. Uh, he's, a, he's a great lad, Nick, and I hope you give him a chance to listen to him and, 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 uh, and, and try and understand uh, what was going on at the time it really was quite interesting and uh, Nick will talk about his love affair with Everton and how he enjoyed playing uh, for the Blues so that's all coming up a little bit later but first of all we're going to get into the current situation and uh, also uh, look at a particular book with a very good friend of mine The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo well, joining me in the studio, I'm delighted to say, is Echo writer Chris Beasley and the one and only Gavin <laughs> Buckland. Uh, we always say that, don't we? We always call you C-Fax and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to start with you, Gav, because one thing we're going to talk about is your new book. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell us about it. Money Can't Buy Love came out uh, last month to, um, surprisingly for me, rave reviews. Uh, I've had lots of great feedback off of people on on Twitter and, and so on and so forth who, who've who've read it, give me great feedback, and some a couple of people emailed me actually. Um, so you probably know by now it's it's the story of Everton under you know John Moores and Harry Catrick from when Moores joined in sixty, Harry came the year after through to Catrick sacking in, in seventy three. So that though it's called Everton in the sixties, it, it stretches naturally to Harry getting the bullet. 
And the uh, the tale is really of Everton as the major millionaires when we were the richest club with, uh, in the country due to Littwood's backing and the Moors' money. Uh, and it's how really we became the first modern football club in terms of like the way all clubs are now running the same we were in the early 60s. Ruthless chairman, stroke owner, whatever you call it at the top, demanding success from a, a manager who's, who's under pressure. And I say... I say in the book that in Katrick's opening press conference uh, in '61, and this, this I think everything came from this. Um, Moses obviously sacked Johnny Carey famously in the back of a taxi, and the, and, a, and a pressman said to Moses at the press conference that he's unveiling said there, Johnny Carey's just there, finished fourth. Uh, Mr. Moores, you know, when you've sacked him, what will happen if, if Harry finishes fourth? <laughs> and he goes, he'll be sacked as well. Yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah. that sort of thinking then just didn't exist. No. Folks never had that. They may have had like owners who wanted them to be successful, but they never had somebody who was ambitious, but publicly ambitious and publicly ruthless about, about it as well, you know. Yeah. And those are the times when, well, you know, you remember how when you were younger, like you'd be managing for clubs like for ten years, not win nothing. Absolutely. You know, so he was he was he was changing the way clubs were were, were run. Was uh, he running it more like a business at that point? Yeah, he started. He, I think he wanted to run it like you know, like the way the the Agnellis, uh, the Agnellis, I think, it ran Juventus. You know, with the, the money from Fiat. Um, yeah. So he, he didn't he didn't give money to Evan. It was all loans and stuff. But yeah, it was very he very much changed the way the club was run. Um, Wanted everybody to be like little woods where everybody, you know, had to show ambition, drive, and to be successful. Um, he had no time for slackers um, in both businesses at Little Woods and at Evan. So yeah, yeah, he, he def- definitely that was the case. And I think what's lovely about the book is the way it captures the time. Absolutely, yeah, and, and, and no better view of that than the front cover as well. It's that very sort of Beatles, the feel to it, and. It's, Chris, you know, like I, mean, I don't think it we're, we're, we're shocking anyone here by mm-hmm. saying that you're probably a bit younger than yeah. yourself and Gav. When you look back at Everton at that yeah. time, uh, uh, what you know, what what do, what do you think of that time? Yeah. What, uh, what I think will be interesting for the, for the, the the younger readers is that the, the sort of generation who've been brought up with this idea that Moyes would always say when they played Man City, taking the knife to a gunfight and Everton being the, the plucky underdogs in that respect. Mm-hmm. This is totally thrown that uh, turned that on its head, really. Like, as Gav's title suggests, money can't buy us love. It's the, that um, sort of that jealousy and the, that dislike from other teams um, because uh, um, Everton have got that money and so in recent years, whereas Everton have seen the likes of Chelsea and City as nouveau riche, Although Everton obviously had the proud heritage at that point, they they'd not um, done anything in it. They obviously struggled in the fifties, so it was almost like Everton had that tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's lots of, lots of similarities with both Chelsea and Man City at different times. The way the way Morse came in a sacked was very much like Abramovich mm-hmm. at Chelsea, mm-hmm. where he allowed Ran- yeah. Ranieri yeah. a year, and then said, "You're not ruthless enough. I'm going to bring in my own man who thinks ruthless enough." With obviously with Mourinho, and then everybody thought he respected him, did like Chelsea, and that's what Morse did with uh, Morse did with Caden uh, Kasic in the exact same time scales, but a bit like like Man City, and. Moores was, he was very much in, in, new to football, as it were, and though he'd been big in business, and he couldn't understand the way football was run. That was very old, we know what football league was running, yeah, some absolutely. would say so. Very antiquated, very old-fashioned at the time. Um, didn't like change. And Moores felt that that held, held, the club, held that big, big clubs back. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because, mm. uh, you know, if you wanted to bring a new thing in the, in the Football League, every club had a vote, you know. Yeah. And what used to happen was all the smaller clubs it, it would sort of club together, as it were, to, to stop things happening and stopping the big clubs getting away. And Moores was really against that, and he didn't like the fact that he couldn't import players from abroad because, you know, he'd seen the way Real Madrid is important, ported Puskas and Di Stefano and all that type of stuff. And he felt that the English game was way behind that. And he had, he had, const, he had I want to say constant battles. We had battles with the Football League over, um, you know, the maximum wage, you know, the the, the way the contracts were, were, were run and all that type of thing. And he copied that his correspondence to them to football or the Football League clubs. Um, and they'd never really come across a demanding, powerful owner. And 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 there's echoes in the way City have their battles, you know, with with UEFA yes, now, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and and, and, and changing, and, yeah, changing things, things. Yeah. and and but mm. City have moaned about certain things, and 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 there's been arguments between the two uh, parties, and that was very much evident in the football league in in, in the early sixties because we were, we were flexing our muscles, we were far more because the Littlewoods were far more powerful than the football league and far more richer. Um, they could afford to do that, and 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 I see echoes in that uh, with Man City and the the, the stuff that's gone with on the for over the last sort of two years or so. Mm. And it was the time, wasn't it, when the School of Science yeah. came? Now, was that was that as a result of of the way the chairman came in and did what he did? Do you think was that something on its own? I mean, how did that mix in? That, that, that plays in. It, in it's a, it's funny. <laughs> I cover that. There's a there's a there's a chapter of the book called the the real school of science, and and I begin it by saying that do we call ourselves the school of science? Name your period in our history when you could say we were. You know, it, it's yeah. sort of yeah, it's sort of one of them intangible things, isn't it? And it, it didn't come from the Moors' money. It, it came from Catholic himself, right? Um, because when Catholic took over the team and and the, we won the title in '63, that was that was a, a very strong. Hard team. They had good players like Vane and the Young and stuff, but they were full of big personalities, big character. A bit like the mid-80s team, you know. But they could also play a bit. Um, it was only really the acquisition of Alan Ball in 66 was a big change, I think. Because um, Harry, Harry always liked a good midfield. You know, that, that, it, it's, it's one of his mantras was, a team's only as strong as its midfield. Um, and and forwards, so you can buy the best forwards, but if you're not got a proper midfield to feed them, um, this is a familiar tale, isn't it? Uh, then you're wasting your time. And it was, and I think you'd seen the way England had won the World Cup in '66, and the way England had played four three three with Alan Ball in, in the middle, that he wanted to, uh, to 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 sort of do that at Everton. So he'd already had Colin, yeah. he added Alan Ball in '66, mm. and then he, he added Howard, obviously six months, six seven months later. Mm. And it was having that three in the middle of the park, um, that that was hugely important for him. That that didn't happen by accident. He wanted to do that because he realised that the way the game was changing, and um, and then from there we kicked on that four years from sixty six to seventy when we won the title. Um, sixty eight was the big change, I think. Yeah. Colin, Colin, they say we played better football in 68, 69. I think we did the first four months of that. That was proper school of science stuff, the first four or five months of 68, 69. Then it tailed off a little bit for a number of reasons. Um, but that 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 68, the whole of 68 was just fantastic football and wise. You know, because Colin became sort of, Colin stepped up. I think Ball's arrival had sort of yes. got Colin to raise his game. And he clearly gained an art, a yards of pace and his thinking, thinking on the ball and everything about him was was faster and, and, and far more uh, dynamic. 
and that made a big difference. And uh, so that that whole period, sixty eight through really sixty nine, they, they were brilliant. Harry, we may have, if Harry had sort of not filled the weekend teams before the cup final, we possibly would have won the title at sixty eight. Um, so and then they won, won the seventy, but they, they modified a bit. They came a little bit more. Um, so, some of the some of the skill and and some of the dynamism in sixty eight sixty nine, Harry deliberately didn't have in seventy. He wants to have mm-hmm. a little bit of harder edge. Yeah, you know, like toughen up a little bit. Yeah, um, because he, he felt that that was the only way they're going to win the title, which which he did. Um, and then they sort of obviously tailed off, which is talk a lot, a lot about. Um, but yeah, that came from Harry. That and, and you know, and it was it was one of the characteristics of Harry was unlike his unlike his peers like Bill Shankly, Matt Busby, Nicholson, Revy, all had their own managerial styles. Harry had several. He won the title with a hardened team in 63, which had been bought. That got a bit of stick for being robust and a bit too tough. In 70, he bought with a team playing school of science football, the majority of which have come through the youth ranks at Belfield. So he won his two titles in completely different ways now, which is quite unusual for a manager. Because you know know yourself, Al, managers have their own style. Of course they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh, But Harry... Harry, Was he like a sort of one of those managers who could adapt and change? Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. But he did up until 70. He didn't say after 70. Um, That was one of the reasons why I fell, uh, because the game was changing. And and, and I say in the book that... um, one of the things about football is, is if you get if you're a top manager, you get ten years at the top. Mm. That once you, you tact, you know, you, you they still even catch have their own sorts of styles. Those tactics become outmoded. Those players that you had at your start, your ten years, you know, you, the real club stalwarts yeah. like they had Le Bon, yeah, people like yeah, Morrissey, Gordon yeah. West, all yeah, that. Yeah. Start reaching the end of, end of their career. You have younger managers with their own ideas who, who come into the game. Yeah. Uh, players just become tired of you. You use your, you lose some of your initial drive and ambition goes. And and if you have a look, apart from one or two exceptions, most managers have ten years at the yeah. top. But I, you know, if you can name them no. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, if, yeah. yeah some will have three yeah. or four, won't they? Yeah. Um, six Piers Bill did nine years at ten years at Liverpool, didn't he? After coming up, yeah. Paisley did nine years. Yeah. Clough did ten years. Um, Bill Nick did 10 years at Spurs after he won the double. Revy did 10 years at Leeds. Even Ramsey did 10 years at England. You know, And that's still two in the modern game. The one or two exceptions down the M62, but there's reasons for that. Um, and, 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 and that's it. You know, and Harry, by 70, I think, had, had become a little bit outmoded. The game was changing. The transfer market was changing. Um Harry bought star players. He didn't. He, he, what he was not capable of doing, Harry was bringing players off from the third or fourth division, not like Brian Clough yeah. could do, and making them into good players and developing them. I say like Moyes did at Evan. Mm. Harry couldn't do that. He his, yeah, he had to made. stop. His, his, his genius manager was, was buying the right players at yeah. the right places, yeah. you know, at the right time, or or alternatively bringing players through the youth ranks. In the early seventies, players, star players, weren't being sold by the clubs anymore. And other clubs had money as well, so it was a different market. That was one of the reasons why Easy Sources started to fail. Uh, you know, the, the the book is it gave me a, a real sort of reason to to discuss tonight. You know, and 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 something I want to talk about tonight. Uh, and Chris, I'd love to get your view on this. Mm. Listening to Gav, there we talk about title winning sides. I've seen an argument 
over the last few weeks where people say we've got to stop talking about these great sides, we've got to stop talking about our history, you know. And but you know, I'm really passionate about this, and I don't think we should, you know. And I, and I think, and I don't, I don't know what your view is on this, Chris, but I think we're becoming mediocre as a football club. Is that is that too strong? No, because this is the longest trophy drought in Everton's history. For the first time ever, they're going to go 25 years without a trophy. It's never happened before. They have gone 24 a few times, and then, but um, I think phew, Everton have never dominated one period. They've never had that blanket success like Manchester United in recent years or Liverpool before that. But they've consistently won trophies over a very long period of time and been a major player over different decades too I don't think it's too much to expect to have Everton to at least challenge for one trophy per decade and we mentioned it before the whole um, generation of Evertonians have now grown up without seeing Everton win a trophy I mean I, I've just turned 40 but if people are just a bit younger than myself they might be grown up kids themselves bringing them to the game and, and they won't even remember Everton Winning anything, so I think I think you, I think they do a hell of a lot right off the pitch, and they're very proud about that. Everton in the community, and they always feel that they're they're trying to do right by their fans and do things the correct way. But they have they have lost their, their way in in that respect, and they um, they can be um, accused of um, becoming mediocre because. Like you, like you said, it was ruthless, but yeah, John Moore's, you know, nil satisfactory optimum, and it's 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 difficult now. I mean, I, I looked oh, just even if you just take the last few, and I get really quite passionate about it, you know. I can tell, Al. I can know, tell. It, yeah, really, yeah, 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 it really frustrates me because you know my 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 thinking, my theory is that to know where you're going, you have to know where you've been, yeah. you know, and you know, I was at a night some months ago now with Neville Southall and he actually said, you know, we should start the, the the season every year saying we're going to win the league. And everyone sort of giggled. There was a little bit of a sort of undercurrent of a, of a laugh, you know. And, and, and yeah, listen, I understand people's reaction in that respect because we're most likely not going to win the league, you know, in fairness. However, you know, there's a lot of, you know, truth in what Neville's saying. You know, if you don't have that mentality... You know, you can't, and, and I just feel, I mean, just, and Gav, I'll bring you in in a moment. You know, a few years ago, we were the team that was going to challenge the top four, the top, yeah, the top four. We, yeah. were, we were the team, we were the Tottenham, we were the Manchester City, you know, and we were, we were there ready to, we weren't doing it, but we were the team ready, even under, you know, David Moyes, we, when we didn't have the money, we didn't have that finance. I just feel we're now being mentioned with Wolves, with Leicester, with West Ham in that sort of six to ten bracket. Yeah. And I think if we're not careful, we're going to be, you know, because you know the next stage down, you know, yeah. and, and if we're not careful, and it, it might sound, and I'm sorry to rant, but, you know, yeah. it might sound a little bit dramatic, but I just think that we've got to start changing the mentality. I don't know, Gavin, am, am I going over the top? I don't know. There's, there's a couple of things there, Al. Like, have we done anything to justify not be over the last, say, five years to justify not being mentioned as part of a group involving Wolves, Leicester, or West Ham? Have we done anything the last five we years? We haven't. We haven't. That, no. I mean, so it's natural, isn't it, that we are going to be? Of course, I understand why we are. You know, but Wolves. I'd got interviewed about the book the other week. I'm saying Wolves were a big club, weren't they? Well, they were in the fifties. Yeah. Mm, they were yeah, a massive right. club. Yeah. You know, historically one of of England's biggest clubs. So I mean. Um, 
have we? Yeah, I think it's a tricky one. This isn't it, really? But I don't think we've done anything to deserve not being part of that. You know that group. I agree. Yeah. You know, and I I, that, that's that. as simple as whether whether we. It'd be set for mediocre. I mean, what the far I'd say I don't want this club being a museum. Yeah. Stuff, you know, and that should come from the top. The problem compared to more more Moses era. Mm. Well, they were the richest club in England, weren't they? So like there's massive differences now where we are But I think we, we can are, compete we, financially now. No, okay, we maybe but, but maybe not we? with Manchester City, you know. But we can't but, we can we though, Al. But we, I think we can. We just, I, well, I think we should. We, we should have be done able over to. that. I mean, what have we spent? 195 million. Yeah, over yeah. The but last in terms, yeah, we told you. So know. we had this over exchange over the weekends, and yeah. We, yeah, is if you have a look at all the income of all the Premier League clubs, you get to Spurs, which is what are they? 150 million more than ours, and they're going up on it with their stadium. Yeah, it's the largest gap. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a massive gap for commercial deals between the top six and the rest of the Premier League. And that's purely because the top six are invariably going to be in the Champions League or thereabouts every year, isn't it? And most of them have been for the last 10 years or so. And that's the thing. And we will only bridge that gap by getting into the top four or six, won't it? Year in, year out. And that, that's it, you know. And the income that comes from that. I, I don't, I'm not necessarily a fan of people when they say, oh, Everton's commercial performance should be a lot better. I'm sure there's, there's scope there to improvement. Mm. But it certainly can't get it up to the likes of... You can't demand it. You, you, yeah. No. You, you, can't, you can you only get what's in the market. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Agree with I know. That. And yeah. if you've got... If you want to put money in football, say, as, as a sponsor, do I go to a club in the top six... And get guaranteed exposed in the Champions League, upper echelons of the Premier League, and get top players showing my our brand and stuff. Or do I go to the you know clubs in the other forty in the Premier League? It's it's not a not an option, is it? Really, you're so, going to go in the top six. Yeah, I get that. Uh, but but Chris, you mm-hmm. know, it, then it turns to the manager, doesn't it? I think in the team, yeah. and and you know, Gav quite rightly is saying we've got to start getting into and breaking into that. Yeah. We've got to do what Tottenham did. Yeah. And get into that top six, if you like, mm. you know, even top four. Tottenham are sort of pretty much settled in the top four now, aren't they? Yeah. Um, the, the, are we getting enough from the managers? And I'm not just talking about Marco Silva. I'm talking about the last three or four that we've had. Um, you know, when you look at other clubs, they get results, and we are not getting results. It's as simple as that. In a consistent, mm. on a consistent basis. <sighs> Everton aren't getting the results, no. Um, but I, I just don't know how good a manager you would need to do that. I think, I think it's very difficult. I, I think that the certainly not a lack of ambition from the owner, but then you could fall into the Randy Lerner trap of no matter how much money you throw at it, you're not actually getting any closer. I think it's more difficult now anyway because a top four, a big four, has now become a big six, top six. So. It's six trying to go into four above Everton. I did a piece over the summer with a Spanish-based um, English author, um, Phil Ball, who um, wrote the book Morbo, all about um, <laughs> yeah. Spanish football. And I said, is there any scope for Everton almost using Atletico Madrid as a, a model? They've got a, a massive neighbour there, the biggest name in football, Real Madrid. But they're a, they're a successful outfit in their own right. But the difference they've got is that as massive as Barcelona and Real Madrid are, there are only two of them. Yeah. In England, you've got yeah. those six established clubs now um, above Everton. And because of financial fair play, you can't even have a sugar daddy now who can come in and make a difference. So it is difficult. But yeah, I, I, they, they should 
they should be doing better. And the, uh, certainly we know how difficult it is to to do better than those six clubs above them. And three of those are going to have to have an absolute shocker for, for Everton ever to get back into the Champions League, although obviously only ever the qualifying round. So, yes, three of those six are all going to have to have a mare for Everton to get top four at any point. But, someone so, someone yeah. said yeah. to me, though, the other day, Everton can never win the league again. And I, and I I was sort of stunned, you know, I sat there and I thought, that can't be true. You know, that is not true. And, you know, yeah. I'm not one of these who go, well, Leicester did it a few years ago, because that, we all know that was a, f- yeah. a bit of a freak. It was one of those seasons where everything, it was a perfect storm, wasn't it, to allow Leicester mm. to win the league. But, but I can't sit here and accept that Everton, you know, look at Saturday. And I, and I know you don't have any right to win any game, really. You've got to earn yeah. that right. But you look at Everton, could go third in the league, away at Bournemouth. Everton should be going yeah. and winning at Bournemouth to but go third in the league. But that's... No? Yeah, but no, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. No. Why, Why not? Because, you know. well, because we are in a group of clubs outside the top six. And if you'd seen us over the last few years, I mean, we've got a dreadful record down here anyway, haven't we? You know, which I think plays, in, plays into it. We've got no right to be. Absolutely, I understand. But what I'm saying is, we should be. If you're saying based on the money we've spent, yes, over the the last three or four years, yeah, in theory we should be. But that hasn't been well spent, has it? Um, And going on Chris's point, I I think there's a difference between. Can just go go back to what Chris was saying there about. See, you don't have to get in the top six. You've only got to get. You've only got to be two clubs, haven't you? Any given season, haven't you? Yes, in in that top six. Yeah, and I think absolutely. So I think that's perfectly viable. Because you've only got to get 70 points to maybe get in the top six, maybe less than last season. So we're p- perfectly capable of doing that. It, it's staying in the top six then, isn't it? Having the infrastructure to retain your top six status, that becomes uh, becomes more difficult. So only one given season, I think we can get into the top six easily. Um, but I don't think we've got any right. And maybe that's part of our problem as a, as a group of fans that we think we have. And then are disappointed when we... Get the results. But this is the point I'm trying to get to, right? Where the blame lies, where this, where where that, That's why, you know, why we aren't, you know, and and I 100, you don't have a right to, you know, Manchester City, Liverpool, yeah. they don't have a right to no. win any game, you know, and they, and they don't at times. But what I'm trying to get at is what are we doing wrong? Where we consistently don't achieve, you know, and we, and we've consistently not achieved in the last 20 years, you know, and. Yeah. Uh, do you know what yeah. I mean? I, yeah. What I would say, though, and on the flip side, I've just spelled out how difficult I think it is to yeah. usurp any of the top six. And what I would say, getting in the top six alone isn't good enough anyway because that's not going to make much difference. It's top four, we've got to get Champions League. That's Absolutely. the difference, yeah. isn't it? Because, yeah. And it's that vicious cycle Sorry, of um, top players only go to Champions League clubs and to get into Champions League, you've got to have the top players. So I've, I've just said how difficult that is. But on the flip side of it, Going to Bournemouth, Everton, um, out of those 11 players they started with, apart from Calvert-Lewin, 10 of those are all internationals. I think eight of them played for their internationals this week, current internationals. Yeah. So, yeah. They know, on paper, they're, they're, they're a much stronger side than Bournemouth, a much yeah. more expensively assembled. I know that doesn't always mean everything, but I think we should have um, been expecting to Everton go and get a result there at the weekend. Yeah, And, and, that, and this is my point. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to have a go at anyone. Yeah. I'm not trying to... It probably sounds <laughs> like that. But I'm not trying to have a go at anyone. I'm trying to understand why... You know, if we're going to settle with the fact that we're going to be one of the next 14 and that's it, I, I, that makes me physically sick, you know, to think that, you know, yeah. and, and 
I want more than that. I mean, I know, I'm you sure, know, sure, far. I had once more than that, I know by the does. way, which is not the worst so what, thing in the world. So what is it going to take to change that? And, and you know, because, you know, I, I, I remember watching just before the Lincoln game, in fact, I did a podcast with, with a couple of the guys, and I remember saying, please, please play a strong side. You know, please give us yeah. a trophy, you know. Uh, what's it going to take? It's not going to change overnight. It's, it's a gradual thing, isn't it? That's that's the that's the thing, isn't well, it? Well, it's been We've had five. How long have we had? Far had now three, four years. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he's, he's had spoke about a window of opportunity, which I think he probably meant the time between taking over and if we moved to a new stadium. Yes. That three, four, five year. I'm already into yeah. like year four, aren't we? Now? Um, but is the stadium uh, pivotal? Piv- no, pivotal I don't think so. To, to, no. I mean, you look at Tottenham. You no. look at Arsenal. Maybe. Yeah. You know, did their stadiums have their stadiums? Change their mentality as a club. Now, Arsenal, if you, Arsenal's has probably damaged them, hasn't it? it really, yeah, it did. Because yeah. Arsenal, and this is something that we need to take note of when we go to Bramley Moor is when Arsenal started making plans for new stadium in two thousand, the nearly two thousands, or maybe before then, is that was when gate money was still like your primary source of income. So they thought moving to the Emirates would give them a substantial cash advantage over their rivals. So they were prepared to give up maybe five or ten years and not spending a lot on the transfer yes. market because yeah. they knew at the end of that they'd have a massive advantage. Well, of course, they failed to factor in to that was like the TV money that came into the game yeah. negated any sort of advantage yes. they thought they'd yeah, have. Course, yeah. So you got yeah. somebody who got finished top, bottom of the Premier League, got more finished bottom of the Premier League than Arsenal got in the gate receipts from the Emirates. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's a, it's a, and luckily it's a, they had Arsene Wenger. Yeah, yeah, who well, could manage yeah, team. yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. why they, you know, and now you're seeing what happens by the sort of Wenger's last couple of years and now. Under Emery, what happens when you haven't got a top class manager in that scenario? Yeah. So I don't think Arsenal fans will say the Emirates have been great no, for them. Possibly Sp- not. Space is slightly different, isn't it? Um, it's come a little bit later in that. Yeah, yeah, in that turnaround, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, and this is the problem, isn't it? Spares. What? How many sp- members of Spares got? One hundred and sixty thousand members, mm. which I think is three times more than what we've got. Yeah. And they can see our sixty proper tickets because, like, because of where they live and London. stuff like that. Because yeah. it's London and surrounding area, some of the richest areas in the country. If we could charge sixty pound tickets at Bramley Moor for everyone, that would be that would make a difference for us. But we can't. Okay, we built up some of the premium. But what it does, it, it, it gives us a bit more status. It, it gives us better leverage commercially, doesn't it? Some of the commercial deals. But yeah. in terms of like raising a load of gate money. Yeah, it, do, it will. It will increase it, but not great. But what? Yeah. what the advantage of with Bramley Moore, I think, will come from the commercial side, not necessarily the gate money side. Yeah. Gate money is not really a massive factor in football. No, no, that, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, thing. That's really why Arsenal, yeah. have, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't. But Spurs will go from taking what 35, 40 million from White Hart Lane mm. to like hundred and ten million at uh, at the new stadium because it's like. Yeah. Was it seventy five percent bigger? But then you got all the add-ons, haven't you, of like the American football and all this type of thing. Yeah. So um, it will be a big change. For I just players. feel, and, and you know, this is I can't see this up. I just feel though that there's a sense that we could sleepwalk into becoming a mediocre mediocre t- team, you know, and I and I don't want to do that, you know, because like I say, I have, and along with a lot of Evertonians, with the likes of yourself, you know, I have. Memories of the eighties, you know, yeah. of those teams, and and you know, and and I remember the the day when we beat Man United five 0 at Goodison, and, and thinking, wow, we've got a team here, you know, this team could win something. You're right. I mean, if you think about but it, can that happen again? Is yeah, what I'm yeah. To say. Going back, we haven't had twenty years of mediocre. We were mediocre under Moyes, were we? I mean, if one if, it, if one manager could say he was unlucky, Moyes could say he was unlucky. Yeah, because he used to finish fifth, where the four teams above him, two of them were driven by. 
you know, big owners, yes. you know, like sort yeah, of like, you know, yeah. lots yeah. of Abramovich, money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and City, yeah. you know, like yeah. in the mm-hmm. last few years of City, where in a different different time, Moors could have got Evan in the Champions League four or five, four or five times. In the, in the, in a yeah, different time, hundred percent. But, but and then then he was, now, Moyes could say genuinely he was unlucky. Yeah, but what you're doing there is is almost cementing my point here. Yeah, exactly. Because what I'm trying to say here is there was a time which I was willing to give it a bit of slack because yeah. we didn't have that billionaire to to Bill Kenwright's own admission. You know, yeah. in fairness to him, he only ever put down what he had on the table and said, yeah. "This is what I can do." But we we are not in that situation now. We are a team who can spend money. Chris, you know, yeah. uh, we're, we're a team that can, you know, yeah. you know. I think Farhad Mashiri just said himself, you know, while I'm here, money won't be an issue. Yes. You know, so what are we not doing? Is it the change? Too much change? Is it the, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, that hasn't helped, has it? It's had a massive uh, overhaul of players several times over these these, yeah. these last um, few seasons. But I, I would really, I know you can't guarantee because it's got the look of the draw, but... Um, the cups, like we said, is the big thing. You've mentioned that that winning a trophy because at the moment we talk about this very unpalatable scenario of Everton never being able to challenge for the league again, and, and that, that that sounds awful. But I'd say unless something changes majorly, they're not going to be cha- challenging for the league in the foreseeable future. But cups, definitely, they definitely with that the sort of um, investment they've had on on the um, the squad. Um, what we had now um, is going to be 48 domestic cup winners, League Cup and FA Cup since Dave Watson last lifted the trophy. Yeah. You know, Everton have got to be in with it. They've got to be challenging for that. And I hope that Marco, obviously, we've got um, a cup tie coming up next week, um, Sheffield Wednesday. He went strong at Lincoln City. I just hope he does again at Sheffield Wednesday because we saw last season made a hell of a lot of changes against Southampton. And that um, that caught them out. They were beaten on penalties. On a, a, a full strength team, and just go all out for the cups because it was, what if they can't win the league? What's football all about for a club like Everton if they don't have those big days at Wembley and giving memories to those supporters? It's a better time, doesn't it? I think. Yeah. I think. I it think. Support, right. I'm just thinking the supporters generally. I think supporters could live in the short to medium term of like not challengeably as long as what well, Chris as, as Chris was saying they won a cup yeah. or they reached a couple of finals and be within Europe. Mm. And it like, looks Lee, as I if think, we're yeah, doing yeah, 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 it looks progress. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you've got at the moment is and they have done for maybe four or five years, ironically since Martin is his last season, is we're not doing either, are we? No. Not being challenging for cups, no. not really being apart from one season in and around Europe and obviously nowhere near Winning the league, the problem with cups now, isn't it? Because of the strength of the squads at the top end of the uh, Premier League, is they can still put second teams out. Some of these course, teams, yeah. and like, yeah, and still still, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, that's, but that's, that's, that's the problem. It, it, but you've got to be seen to be doing it, and that's exactly. And Chris is spot yeah. on. So yeah. be seen to be at least having a go by putting a fair, full strength yeah. team out. Yeah. People you know. will forgive you. Everton fans, I think, are the most forgiving yeah. ever. I know, I know you it doesn't pick. feel like an hour after a defeat, you know, but I just got the sense after that game against Bournemouth that people just wanted to go, here we go again. Here we go again, you know. And, and almost, and I actually feel sorry for Marco Silva, to be honest with you, because I think any manager needs time. And, and I know people say, well, he's had a season now. But any manager needs a couple of seasons, I think, to build a side. Most great managers have needed a couple of seasons to build yeah. a side, you know. Okay, you can look at the likes of Guardiola who come into a, a 
a title winning side pretty much. Still took him 18 months to sort it out though. Exactly, exactly. But so it's not a criticism of the manager. It's not a, but but this is where I think, you know, we have to look at the mentality of the club and say, right, we've got to now get serious. And as you said before, Chris, you know, they do great stuff off the field. You know, Mm. I couldn't be more of a, when I was there, you know, I I couldn't have been more proud of, of the way people worked and what they did. I think we've just got to come to a time where we've got to get serious about being a football club. I, I think, well, I think we have been serious about a football club, but I think Chris made a good point there. I think about like why things haven't been great. He said, talking about the amount of changes that you've made. And I think the one thing we've got to avoid at all costs is just sacking the manager. Of course. Just for that. Because yeah. one, one, one of the things about clubs you don't win a trophy for a long period of time, and this is borne out by history, is every succeed manager gets less and less time. Yeah. Because as imp- there's there's a correlation between impatience of fans and lifespans of managers. Yeah. And as yeah. the fan base becomes more and more impatient, the the, 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 the lifespan <laughs> of a manager becomes less and less, you know. And we're yeah. sort of we're in that sort of cycle now, yes. aren't we? So the first thing we need to do is break that cycle. Yeah. Farhad needs to break that cycle. Is he pointed far uh, Marco pointed brands at the same time. So do your job. I want to give you like whatever, how long yeah. it takes, because what we're suffering for and have been the last couple of years is that having, what, three, four managers in, if you include Moyes, in yeah. about five years, and the constant chopping and changing of players, and that's hampered the playing style of the team. So that's the first thing we need to do to stop being mediocre, yeah. is don't press the air, uh, you know, the, the red button on the air uh, yeah. at the manager's yeah. desk, you yeah. know. So uh, that's the first thing. And then take it from there. But wholeheartedly agree with Chris, it has to start with the Cups. And I think we need to be. I think it's taking on a big, big fixture, isn't it? You know, the the Sheffield Wednesday game and the League Cup this year. It's fixture already. Yeah, because because God forbid we lost that. You know, and I I don't want to sound like you know Doctor Death tonight. You know, but but you have been sound like Doctor Death. Yeah, no, you know, I know you mean. I'm passionate about the club as we all are. You know, and and but I think you've got to ask questions because if we don't ask questions, we don't we don't understand. And and but what I'm saying is, I looked at that. Sheffield Wednesday game now and I think if we were to lose that all of a sudden we've not had a great start to the season then we're down with that you know and and then we start putting massive pressure on the FA Cup then and that, that, which we don't yeah, want to do they that. play Man City as well after that as yeah, well we this is not ideal is it like, we don't you know. want to go into an FA Cup campaign again having that the pressure on that Millwall game was incredible yeah. you know and that, I think that that was part of the reason we didn't do we didn't do well in that game because we almost talked ourselves into that situation, you know, that, that Millwall game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I think it comes to players, you know, I think it gets to players. And I think when you look at our team, every single player, and as you said before, Chris, they're internationals, they're good enough. All yeah. those players are good enough. Mm-hmm. I just think we need to, uh, you know, but will we get, getting back to your book, Gav, will we, <laughs> will we, are we seeing maybe with a new owner yeah maybe with the style Stadium, of play yeah. that we yeah. might be looking at trying to do you know when we've got the brazilians in now and you know are we looking at uh, we had the brazilians in belfield in 66 didn't yeah, exactly. we? so, so start, is, like, yeah. is there a, a you know is it coming for uh, full circle we're going to repeat the 60s <laughs> um no, well, we're not, I don't think. Pause, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking about it. Right, okay, right. you can edit that house, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think. We can repeat the 60s in that we need to show the drive and ambition that Moors and Catholic shows at the start of the decade. Yeah. yeah, Where that that takes us, I don't know. I'm not saying that will end up with two leads out. No, no, fair enough. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that's what we need to show. 
and show publicly. Mm. And where where that takes us, as you say, quite rightly, Al Moore's and Celtic to know where it took them, took them to success. Um, you know, and everyone needs to step up on that. I think, yeah, yeah. you know, people at the club. People from the board down was the, the staff. I mean, I, I love the story. I don't know if you ever heard it about NASA when JFK went to NASA, and he was getting shown around, you know, the building. And he walked down this little corridor, and he met the janitor with his mop. And JFK said to him, "What do you do here?" And the janitor said, "I help to put a man on the moon." Yeah, you know, and and it's that mentality. I think, yeah. I, I, you know, great football clubs work together. You know, yeah. and I, and I, and I hope that. When we but, get there. Well, that's what more. Sorry to pick up on that yeah. point, but that's what Moore says when he came in. He says the club must have the best staff, best directors, best coaches, yes. all that type of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And they all have to show ambition and and, and, and and buy into what you're talking about there, Al. And that's what we need to do, mm. you know, the best available to us. Um, and and then see where it takes us. Uh, and be, be public about it as well, you know. Um, and I think that, that that would certainly help, but it's 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 a lot more of a different different um, environment to what it was in the sixties. But that doesn't necessarily mean we we, we need a different attitude to what Moore's and Catter had. And just finally, Chris, mm-hmm. how big is this game on Saturday against Sheffield United? It's it's, it's got to be a response, hasn't it, after Bournemouth? Um, a lot of people are hurting after that. Um, fortunately, they they do have a. A good, very good Premier League um, home record. Well, home record full stop. Is it, is it six wins on the, yep. on the spin now? Yep. So they'll be going into that um, confidently. But yeah, it might sound cliche, but no, it's, it's not going to be an easy game. Sheffield United, very resolute. Um, they've come on the back of an excellent season for them last, last season. They're um, still early days for them in the Premier League, still... Um, on a high with that, and of course, I don't know if you'll play any part, but Phil Jagielka's return, that's yeah. an extra dimension for all um, element. Yeah, yeah, it's a big game. I think um, I think Everton really need to, to win it just to get the um, get the fans back on side after after last weekend. But um, that's, I think there's no reason to think that they won't do it. I think the frustration is for, for all these home wins, they need to start picking up points on the road as well. Gav, where can they get the book? You can get the book at all the usuals. Uh, places, Waterstones. Um, I'm doing the book signing Waterstones at the end of September with okay. uh, in the L1 and in Ormskirk with uh, Derek Temple. 60s great. Fantastic. A um, couple of nice stories about Derek in, in the book, by the way. Yeah. Um, Popular uh, figure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, on the internet, Amazon, the Cubitan Books, who are the, the, the uh, publishers, their websites, and just the all the usual places. You know? I implore you, buy this book, it's well worth it. Thank you very much, Al. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So there we are. There's the boys. And as I say, you really do want to get that book. It's it's a cracking book uh, from uh, from Gav. Uh, really enjoyable. And I think uh, certainly we've got Christmas on the horizon, haven't we now? And, you know, it's something which I think people will really enjoy to get as a gift if that's uh, if that's what you want to do. Uh, but let's uh, head over to Australia now. And uh, Tony Grant, we've spoken to him a couple of times since he's been over there managing or helping to manage uh, with his friend Robbie Fowler, um, uh, Brisbane Raw. And uh, they had a really good cup run um, but I caught up with Tony earlier this week to find out exactly how it's going at the moment last time we spoke you were going into a cup game uh, against Sydney I think if I remember rightly and I, I think you won that one didn't you yeah so we drew Sydney away which was probably the toughest game we could get and we won 2-0 which was a great result and then we got Central Coast at our place 
on paper, we, we should have won on paper as, as everything. And it looks like after beating Sydney, you go and win. We drew 2 2. Um, we missed a few chances, as you do. We never scored when we should have. It ends up going to a penalty shootout, and it didn't favour us. Right. Um, so we were out of that. So since then, we've played a little tournament with A League teams only in it. So there was us, there was Perth, and there was Newcastle Jets. So it was like a mini tournament. So we won that. We beat the Perth, and we beat Newcastle Jets. So pre-season's coming to an end now. I think we've got three and a half weeks left. Um, we're not playing no more A-League teams in pre-season. So at the moment, for me and uh, Robbie, we've played four A-League teams and we've come out well at the moment. So the players are doing really well. And obviously the, the, the league starts in three and a half weeks. We're a tough game away to Perth. Well, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that over the next few weeks, I'm sure. Um, and the first game of golf today, I believe. It was. It was I think we've been here 10 weeks now. And obviously we're both big fans of golf. Uh, but first and foremost, the job comes first, and it was our first time to to, to get out and play. So we've enjoyed a nice walk. Well, we wasn't walking that much. We were in the buggy because it was so hot, but it was a lovely course. And was it a Liverpool against Everton? Island. Is it what? Was it a Liverpool against Everton in, in any way, shape, or form? It was. It, it could have been really an Everton one today. Fully enough. <laughs> Glad to hear it, um, Tony. <laughs> let, let's lead you on to that nicely. That you know, onto the next question. Really, I, I guess you will have seen the game against Bournemouth. Um, Everton, yeah, I watched it. I watched um, it over the air. It was on at eleven o'clock. Yeah, disappointing result. What, uh, what? What did you make of? Uh, and what do you make of Everton's away form? I think we struggled really, even at home this year. In what I've seen, nothing's been convincing. For, at the moment, has the so mm. I think we got over the line against Watford, and we we got over the line against Wolves. Um, I don't know, people. I mean, we've lost for me probably our best player as in Ghana last season. Mm. I think he's a he's a bigger loss than people really realise because of the amount of work he allows offensive players to go and play. He actually does two or three men's jobs and. Uh, have they replaced him? I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't think they have. I don't think they have. Mm-hmm. Um, have they? Have they helped Dominic improve? He probably could have done with a senior player alongside him to go on one um, or to lane off. Mm-hmm. Um, Dom's getting dogs abuse on the terraces at the moment. Kid gives everything. Maybe he needs to come out the firing line and step back. And someone else should be taking the mantle up, up, up top now. But someone who's got real quality. Well, you've got to pay for real quality. Uh, but Everton, for two, two, three seasons, whatever it's been now, have, have missed the number nine. Really simple. Mm. Missed the number nine. Um, so I thought aspects of it were poor yesterday. I think Bournemouth are there for the taking. Bournemouth were playing a high press. There was lots of space behind the front line. We just never had the guile to pickpocket anyone or a forward at real quality to hit their defence. Mm. So I don't know. I think it's 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 just it's going to be tough getting to January. Now we're all talking about getting to January now, which is not nice to talk about that because the season's only just started. And I think though, you know, those those doubters of of Marco Silva are out again now, and and people are, you know, and that I guess that's inevitable if the if the results don't go well. Um, 
how you know what, what, what over the next few months you've talked about January you know but over the next couple of months mm. what 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 is what do you think is expected of him what do you think do, do we have to win well I'll be honest with you Al I feel a bit sorry for Marco as in for the last two years Everton keep bringing players in last kick of, last last day of transfer window mm. when you've got you've got five weeks to get a, a pattern of play or how you really want to do we keep doing this last day thing and it's not clever I mean, all you end up doing is paying agents more money because they don't get desperate. That's all you end up doing. So it's not clever. Um, so I feel for Marco on that. Um, the striker issue is 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 massive for us. So he's brought a young boy in from Italy, and we we know nothing of him really, do we? He's, he's played. I think he started three or four games last season for Juventus. We know nothing of him. So he needs to give him a chance to play. He needs to go and play him now. I mean, he watches him every day in training. So either he's not doing it in training, he's not good enough, or just give him a chance to play. Hmm. So he, he looked he lively. He looked lively against Wolves when he, you know, when 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 he was forward with uh, Iwobi. It looked like a decent little partnership. Yeah. Well, if he doesn't start on Saturday against Sheffield United, who have just come up from the Championship, um, away from home, Sheffield away from home. They play three at the back, so this space, this space. If he doesn't play him on Saturday, he's never going to play him. Mm. This is the perfect chance to play him Saturday now. Just yeah. go and play him. We'll soon see if he's any good. And, and, and if he's no good, then it's going to be detrimental. Mm. And as if far good, as... Uh, then hopefully we can build from there. Uh, d- defensively, uh, again, you know, a few insecurities there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a huge fan of meanness, to be honest with you. You can be too big sometimes. I think he's too big. Um, and I think it just looks a bit when we actually come under pressure. When there's no one on them and people team are playing with one up front and they're not really pressing, he's all right. But it's just them instances, and sometimes it might only happen once in a game. But that's the time to tell whether you're good or bad. And that's why Zuma was so good last year. Because it was then one or two instances, because he was more athletic or quicker to turn or faster, mm. he could get out of trouble or get the team out of trouble. So that's why they're missing him. There's a, lot, a big debate at the moment as well in, in the English game about playing out from the back. What, what are your views on, yeah. you know, is, is, it a, is it a good system? I mean, do you have to be a Manchester City to do that, you know? I think, I think it's all about um, understanding the game and getting the players to actually understand does the coach really understand what playing playing out from the back means? Or does he just play one pass and then as soon as they get closed down, does he just try and launch it? Which isn't really playing from the back. So it's it's whether they really it's whether you can really coach, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think I think Pep Guardiola could take Everton's team right now and we could play off from the back because he'll make the players really understand if that's what you want to do. If that's what you really want to do, if you really want to play off from the back. Players have to understand. They have to understand they're getting closed down really fast. They have to know where the next pass is going. So it's it's fluidity. It's so they all know. It's no good just saying, we're going to play out from the back and then once someone closes down, we all panic. Because the team's all spread all over the place. So it's, in my opinion, it comes down to real good coaching. If that's what you want to do. And, um, and I believe it, I'm a believer that you sh- we should be playing out from the back. The pitch is huge. We should make the opposition really run. 
that's my, that's my opinion. And um, as far as, uh, just to end it now, as far as going forward with mm-hmm. uh, Brisbane Raw, what's next? You've got the, yeah. the game against Perth coming up. Al, we're playing out from the back. <laughs> <laughs> Not the outback. <laughs> Not the outback, no. <laughs> no, we've got it. Funny enough, Al, on Wednesday, we're going to a, a place called Wide Bay. It's about a 45-minute flight. Right. Um, I actually don't know where about in Australia. It's not. It's obviously not far from us. So it's obviously it's on this coastline, uh, and we've got a four, four, five, four day, a four day little camp there where we'll play a local team at the end of it. But it's actually good. The players will all get away. We've got a really good bunch of players to be honest with you. Hmm. All the lads have interacted and got on really well. So the four days will be they'll be really good. To be fair, it's a little bit of a break up from the, the same scenery at our training grounds. Yeah. So I'll be looking forward to it. Yeah, well, Wide Bay, I thought you were going to say it was at Bournemouth because there was a Wide Bay at Bournemouth on Sunday, wasn't there? <laughs> anyway. Um, well, listen, oh, is there? Yeah. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> well, there was on Sunday, that's for sure. Um, well, listen, uh, yeah. oh, great, yeah, to, was, great yeah. to catch up from you again uh, with you again, Tony, and yeah. um, and we'll look forward to keeping in touch with you throughout the season and, and when the real stuff starts next week, you know. Um, of course, of course. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. Are you excited about it? Yeah, we can't wait now. As I say, our first games we got Perth away, haven't we? Which mm. they won the league last year, so it's a tough, it's a tough start. But that's what it is. So we're looking, we are looking forward to it. Well, I'm Everyone, sure it, our lads can't wait for the first games to start. I'm sure you'll have Shop a load of Evertonians behind you, that uh, back here listening and hoping that you can get a, off to a win. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure. I'm sure. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, there we are, Tony Grant, and we wish him all the best of luck as that season starts off in Australia. And well, now to an interview which um, I remember him coming in. I remember being at the match at Grimsby Town when uh, when Grimsby, not at Grimsby, but it was at Goodison, but it was a, it was a game against Grimsby Town and, uh, and a young lad, big tall lad with a, a big curly perm, as we all had in those days, uh, scored a, 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 a goal against us, knocked us out the cup. We were all a bit sick. And then a couple of weeks later... So be it, he arrives at Goodison. Howard Kendall made him a signing. Paul Wilkinson, who is at Berry at the moment, um, it's a bit of a difficult situation for him there, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that in the interview. But uh, but we talked firstly uh, with Paul Wilkinson about his time at Everton and how that move came about. Well, I think, uh, as far as I know, they'd been watching me for a little while before that, but uh, that sort of set me off. Yeah, has been a major part of their attention, I think, because obviously uh, it's probably the most one-sided game in Everton's history, as most people realise. I think we probably had one shot on the night against probably 50 shots for Everton, and luckily I managed to get my head on the ball in the 88th minute and not one pass in Everton, which I didn't do very often, even in training. So, no, it was, uh, it was, it was a fantastic moment for, for Grimsby, especially at that time where Everton were top of League One and we were in League Two, and you know, it was it was a turn up for the books, and even after we scored, we still spent the next three or four minutes of injury time knocking one or two off the line, and uh, so yeah. so it was. As I say, it was a fantastic night for us, and, and it was it was a, it was obviously a big night for me because it sort of kicked my career off into another level. Did, did you? I mean, did you know of the interest from Everton before you arrived on that night? Or uh, I I think I. 
I, I didn't really know, but w- when I spoke to Howard a few months later, when obviously he, I decided to sign for them and uh, I got the opportunity, he did tell me that they'd been watching me for a while and they'd mm-hmm. been to the games. And then obviously after that game they started, they got kept closer tabs on me. So I was going to uh, say it didn't it didn't kick you on motivational wise on the night, <laughs> then it did you, 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 you had to impress. No, yeah. to be fair, as. As all kids of that age, you don't really think about those things when you go out no. on the pitch. You're just there to play, and mm. you know that's probably the advantage at those moments because you have no fear. Mm. Certainly, no fear that night. That's for sure. I was there. I remember it. You killed me. <coughs> um, but um, as far as coming to Everton, obviously, it's a bit a big move, isn't it, for you? How did you feel about coming? Because of course, they'd just been champions, and you know, it's a big move. Yeah, it was. It was. It, was, it came around quite funny. Actually. I played for England under twenty ones the night before in Southampton, and Graham Taylor had seen me dad as he was coming out the ground, and and he was interested in me going to him, and I knew mm. Forrest were interested in me, and so there was one or two. And then uh, I went home, and and I did next day off, and then Dave Booth came around my house at the tea time, so it's unusual for your manager to come round your house yeah. and come in and, and he just said that Howard had called him and uh, they wanted to speak to me the next day so obviously you know for me being a young lad from Grimsby and uh, obviously it was probably more about leaving home that was more the the yeah. biggest thing for me at that time mm. and uh, you know it was uh, a massive a massive decision, but it wasn't a massive decision. So, it, mm. you know, straight away, my, I, I ran my dad, obviously told him, and he was like my mentor at that time. And he he, uh, he met Howard the next day and uh, with me and uh, probably took us about half an hour to get it all sorted. And then I left them too and, and to have a celebratory drink and I went off home to get my gear. <laughs> and then uh, we fo- I followed Howard back to uh, Liverpool that night and as I say the rest is history and, and coming into the likes of Adrian Heath Graham Sharp all these players Kevin Sheedy I mean how daunting was it for you? Well uh, listen the, the lads know uh, uh, you know how much they made my move it was probably the biggest move in my career at that time they were a fantastic set of boys and uh, I joined the same time as Neil Point joined and Bobby Mims and you know, they took all of us under the wing mm. and uh, they uh, couldn't do enough for us and Kevin Ratcliffe, I mean, I, when I turned up there I uh, only had one suit, one pair of shoes, uh, I had a white Ford Escort, I think, and within a week <laughs> I was togged up, I had a new car and everything. So, But that was the players looked after us. They did it for us, you know, and, and, and that was the club I was going to. I was going to say, it that was sort of squad. Yeah, it? it was that sort of squad. You know, there was so much experience, so much knowledge. And they were all winners. And that was the biggest thing. They were all winners. I mean, at the time, obviously, there was us and Liverpool, who were sort of the two main clubs and and shared the title over the next three years. And, you know, it, it was a great time for me to be part of it. I learned so much. And, you know, that what I learned stayed with me throughout the rest of my career. And, obviously, I've taken that into coaching as well. I mean, I, I'd probably had... One of the best coaches I had in my career, Colin Harvey, at the time. Obviously, Howard was a great manager, and I, you know, I was looking enough to play under a lot of good managers with Cluffy and other people. So, so you know, as, as uh, on that side of it as well, I learned so much. Um, and of course, 
you did what not many people do. You scored against Liverpool in a derby. I mean, what was that? You know, two two fantastic goals. One one for Grimsby, one for you know from your career point of view. What was that like to to score the winner? It it was unbelievable, it was surreal, really. I mean, I'd gone from playing in front of five thousand at Grimsby, and suddenly I'm thrust into a Merseyside derby in front of fifty thousand, fifty five thousand mm-hmm. fans at Goodison. And I mean, the one thing I remember is walking out and just seeing red and blue everywhere. And people don't realise how important the derby is, but how how passionate it is between the families. But probably it still had that friendliness about it at times then. And it probably still does now at times. I think, you know, it, it's it's such a big day for everybody on Merseyside. And it, it was a fantastic uh, day. And it, I think it was the first time we'd beaten them twice in the same year for a long time. And to, to score the win, I mean, I can still remember it now. I remember it was across from the right... I think it was Sheeds. Uh, no, it was from the right hand side. I think, oh, right, I think okay. it was Trevor or Gary Stevens. Of course, it was. Crossed. It was. It was. It was Gladys Street End, wasn't yeah, it? Gladys right. Street yes, End, of course, yeah, Gladys Street End. Andy Gray flicked it on, and there yeah. I was, just managed to get my foot and knock it past Bruce into the net. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and that, to be fair. It, it was a, a fantastic moment, and to score in front of Gladys Street, your first goal, and then a Merseyside derby, it doesn't get any better. It doesn't really, does it? And, and of course, you come, and a lot of a lot of fans will remember you for the haircut, you know, and the perm. <laughs> I mean, everyone had them at the time, didn't they? I mean, you were you were known for that, weren't you? Did you yeah. get any much stick off the lads when you when you when you arrived? Well, to be fair, that the I mean, I, I Neil Point came and he was very yeah, similar. Yeah, he, he was yeah. Sharpie you know, had one, I think. Yeah, well. Sharpie had one. He, he had one. Had long <laughs> hair, so so it, it was it was a norm really. Embrace had long hair, so it, it was. I mean, listen, I probably got more stick from my tash than my hair at that time. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, when you look back at those pictures, I mean, it's it's amusing for me girls nowadays because they like to look back and give me grief about it. But yeah. uh, as you say, it, it was part and parcel of the times then. And, but uh, it was uh, it, it it was nice, and obviously we had Big Nev as well, who went, as well had, had long hair. You can get away so with I, nothing, I could, no, 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 well. no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it, he was he was probably he took us under his wing massively now yeah. as young boys, and he was brilliant with us. Um, and then, of course, Colin Harvey would have taken over then. Would he, uh, uh, as manager, would that was that? No, I'd actually just left. Had then. you left? Yeah, then? Oh, I'd okay. gone to okay. Forest then. Ah, right. Okay. How did they come about? The, the move away. What, what? Uh, well, it was interesting um, because I wasn't didn't really didn't really want to go, and I don't think there was there was I wasn't being pushed out the door or anything like that. But uh, I'd found it difficult to get, and obviously at the time, Andy Gray and Sharp in their moves and Links, Kate Link, Gary Lynch came yeah, course, in, yeah. and you know it was very difficult for me to to. Uh, to get a long run in the team, even though I played a lot of games and I did score a few goals, you know, it was it was difficult to become a regular. And you know, I, Alan Hill from Nottingham Forest rang me up and said, obviously, that they were interested and would I come over and speak to them? And you know, a fee was agreed, and uh, I went over and spoke to them. And probably when I look back on it now. I, I had a great time at Forest, and, but I, I still probably look back at it and think maybe did I do the right thing. But then, obviously, the, when Colin took over, the squad sort of changed yeah. and people left the club. So yeah, you know, because, because in, of yeah, and also because of uh, 
obviously the tragedy at Heysel and that not not being in Europe and yeah. didn't help the club at that moment either. So, so it was it, difficult times for everybody, I think. It was in a time as well when players moved because they wanted to play, wasn't it? You know, I, I mean, these days it doesn't happen all the time, but you want to play football, you want to play first-team football, and I guess someone who's who's played at Everton, you know, wants to keep playing. Yeah, well, when I came in from Grimsby, I had two years where I played all the time. Mm. So it was quite difficult for me to adjust to the fact that I wasn't going to play all the time. And then obviously when they brought uh, Gary Lineker in in the summer, I mean, me and him were good friends at the time, but he, he hit the ground running and yeah. obviously scored 49 goals yeah, exactly. or whatever it was in that season. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it, it it was always difficult. And then, and also he only had one sub, so it was mm. it was difficult on that side of things <laughs> yeah. in those days. If there's five or six subs, it probably wouldn't have made it a bit different. Yeah. But... You know, you had all of those different scenarios at that time. But as I said to you, they, I wouldn't swap a moment for the time I was there. I mean, we had fantastic times. We went to cup finals. They, they obviously, the cup winners' cup final. You knew you're part of a league winning team, and you know, you, I enjoyed every single moment of it. Well, I can safely say I don't think any footballer who plays for Everton and scores in the derby will ever be forgotten <laughs> at Everton. Um, but um, just finally, uh, obviously, you've moved into coaching. Um, you've, you've, you're probably going through a very surreal moment at the moment at Bury, um, and you, how difficult has it been for you here? Uh, it's one of those things. I, I knew I knew uh, it would be difficult when I came in, mm. and obviously there's uh, there's been a lot of issues along the way. But again, I've I've enjoyed every minute of it. I, I'm a I'm a, a person who tries to look at things in in a philosophical way and try and work things out. And I, and I just think when you're in football now, you have to enjoy it because there's so many moments when people are out of football, and mm. you know whatever's got going on, I try and look at being positive and making sure you're trying to move the club forward in, in whatever way you can and you know that's what we're trying to do here and obviously it's difficult moments for us at the, uh, at the minute but uh, we're still trying to make sure that the club survives and, and we survive with it. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I wish Paul all the very best uh, with Barry, whatever happens there. And great to hear about his memories playing for Everton and uh, and that goal against Liverpool, of course. Well, goals really are the, are the theme of this uh, of this podcast this week because um, the, the next uh, interview we have is is with a guy called Rob Wakenshaw, who in sort of season eighty three eighty four burst onto the scene with Everton. Firstly, in the youth team and the reserves, he scored lots of goals, and we'll talk about that uh, when we hear him very shortly. Um, but of course, he made his debut against Manchester United, um, and uh, he, he made an instant impact. He was very sort of recognisable with the blonde hair, and and uh, and he came straight into the side. Howard Kendall threw him in because of injuries, and uh, he had such an impact by scoring the winner, which denied uh, Manchester United under Ron Atkinson at the time the title. Uh, this week, he's uh, he's based in he was based in the Alaman. Many of you will remember, but uh, he's moved down to Tenerife now. And uh, this week, I caught up with him uh, from his home in Tenerife. And uh, well, first of all, we talked about his time at Everton. Well, I think, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, the youth team certainly, yeah. Uh, and all the time I was at the at the football club, we the first year when I was a young younger boy um, played out on the left, and we had a what I thought was actually a better team than the team that actually won the youth cup, but we unfortunately lost over three games to Norwich in that in that first year. Mm. Uh, but we had some fantastic players in that team, and um, 
maybe maybe we lack slightly a little bit of backbone. That that was all, you know. But the the second year when we won it, we we didn't have the same ability as the boys the first year, but we we certainly had that bit more fighting spirit, and that that seen us through, um, and we ended up winning it. So yeah, it was a very successful time. But you seem to really, really enjoyed it. it. Was it was fantastic memories that you never forget. You know, Sir so John was coming in the changing rooms after the game um, at Stoke. It just, just one-off moments that you'd never forget. You know, it was it's just fantastic. Yeah, you're right, Alan. And you seem to beat everyone by four or five goals that season, if I remember rightly. Well, I, we we had. Our, are you on about the year we won it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we. We 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 had some scraps on the way, you know. I remember Millwall away three two. You know the games the game was in the balance, but we we managed to get through that. You know Stoke away in the final, we won, we won it two nil. Am I right in saying though that you scored five or six goals yourself in one game for the youth team? Um, I scored I scored quite a few hat tricks, but um, I scored six against Bradford uh, in the in the reserves. Um, one game when I was playing up front with Terry Curran. I still speak to Terry now. You know, wow. Terry reminds me of that game quite vividly. You know, and it was it was fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think we, yeah, it was we won six something, and I managed to get all six. It was just one of them nights. I was on the end of everything. You know, just just a, a great night for me personally. You know, you have to be the only Everton player to score six goals in one game, surely. Well, I, I'm not sure if that. Uh, it was a record at the time, but I'm not quite sure if it still exists. You know, there's been some super teams since, and I'm not aware that it's it's either been broken or matched or, or passed. You know. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't remember any Everton player scoring six in one game, to be honest. But anyway, yeah, you know, the, yeah. Let, let's give you that record uh, at the very least. <laughs> um, now, obviously, <laughs> coming up to the game against Manchester United and debut, how, how did it come about? How because I know there was a couple of injuries with Andy Gray and and, and Adrian well, Heath. Well, of course, the 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 youth cup, the youth team were sort of mirroring the run of the the first team. You know, they were going well in in the cup, and we were going well in the cup. And the, the de- my debut came well. My debut came about wedged between the finals. You know, mm. um, we uh, we had Stoke at home as eighty two and managed to score in that game. And then we um, Howard we had the final, the FA Cup final against Watford. And um, Howard wanted to rest some guys. You know, or there were a few people carrying injuries, and um, he, I think he was trying to protect them for the final. Uh, against Watford, so so I managed to get 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 myself on that team sheet, and you know it was just a dream day for myself. You know, it just everything everything worked out apart from me getting cramp and 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 how it taking me <laughs> off. You know, uh, it was just a dream day. So you know, one of them things you do dream about. And fortunately, and, and lucky for me, it came off. You know, it was just just fantastic and great memories for me and my family. You know, what do you remember the time when Howard come to you and said, "I'm putting you in the team." Yeah, I remember him. I remember him. I remember him uh, coming up to me because obviously you always, you always. Uh, I got put in the the squad to train, and that that excites you. And and then then the, the sheet goes up in in Belfield at the time, you know. And there's your name in the team, you know. And there was a few other young lads associated with the game. Ian Bishop, who obviously went on to be a super player, in still in contact with Ian as well. Great lad, um, and. Um, 
it was super, you know, absolutely super. So it was it was a debut for me, myself, and and Bish, you know, who was a, a great player in his in his own right. Um, yeah. So so yeah. So my name went up on the team sheet. So I was mega mega happy and, and excited and obviously I only lived down the road from Belfield it was a Milefield road so straight home rang my mum and dad they came up for the game on the Saturday and, and, and things worked out and when I came in afterwards Howard said he said I knew you'd score <laughs> I'll never forget that I knew you'd score he said yeah you know was it unusual you know uh, to make your debut because th- these days you just see so many people making debuts at 17 18 yeah. you know well I think I think I think like like Back in them days, it was um, there was some some fantastic talents coming through, like Norman Whiteside. You know, um, I think for myself, as I was saying, I think it was, yeah, I'm at the right club. It was just the wrong time of such for me because they, they were such a super team. You know, what one of the best we've ever had, and 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 fantastic lads, great team spirit, uh, and they went on to do amazing things. You know, but. Um, I was just looking off at that time. I would wanted to rest players. I was doing okay, you know. I was, I was, doing, I was knocking the goals in in the, in the reserves, and, and and obviously we were we were doing really well in the youth cup both years. So I think he, he trusted me at that point. So through a few of us were thrust in, and then we were thrust in uh, weeks later. Also, did did you feel that that was the start of your Everton first team career? Did you did you have that sense, or were you very sort of grounded at the time? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I didn't think that was the start. I just thought that was an opportunity for me, you know, to get in to to to, to get in the first team and, and and learn. Really, you know, I never thought I was going to stay there. You know, I hope I was hoping at some point I would get a few more games. You know, because I thought I did. I thought I did okay, but just just the quality of the the competition. You know, just just unbelievable players. When you look at that that front line, you know, you know Sharpie. Uh, Andy Gray, fantastic guy, Andy. Um, Inchi, being over to see Inchi in Orlando as well. He was super, super with me over there. Um, just fantastic, fantastic strikers, you know. Um, any club would have wanted those strikers. So it was very hard to get in. Then obviously it's Paul Wilkinson as well and throw maybe Terry Terry Curran in there. You know, there was there was a lot of fantastic Fantastic players with with experience. Yeah, well, funny enough, we, on this podcast, we're talking to Paul Wilkinson, who, who obviously scored a, a memorable goal against Liverpool that same season as well. And I think yes. you know, it, I, it, I I played in that game. Yeah, it must have been difficult. Um, you yes. know, for players on the fringe, as you say, for you know, yeah. with with so many, yeah. you know, great players. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you just have to. You just had to be biding your time and just just keep doing. I, I just yeah, it was just a case of keep doing, keep doing what I was doing, you know. And I, uh, you know, I was just scoring goals and lots of them, you know. And um, it was just a matter of hoping I was going to get a chance. Um, but the, the, say the the team was just superlative in that era, and it was very difficult to break into that team. What do you remember about the goal? Because I remember, I think it was a John Bailey cross, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he, he he whipped it to the back post from quite far out, actually, if I remember, on, on a diagonal. And Andy uh, Sharpie knocked it down. And I think it was um, somebody. Was it King? I think it was King. Andy yeah, King, King, King got was. on the end of it, yeah. and Gary Bailey pushed it out. And I was I just beat Kev Richardson to it. Richo jumped jumped <laughs> out the way, and it was as close as I was going to get to a tap in. You know, 
Well, as opposed to just being there in the right place, right time, you know. I'll... Yeah, I, 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 I've watched the video this morning actually, and 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 the run, yeah. your celebration, the way you ran away, it was, it was disbelief as far as, as yeah, well, well as it's dreams, isn't it? It's it's mm. it's, it's schoolboy stuff, you know. It's what you dream of, isn't it? You know, you know, scoring against Man, the Man United's, Liverpool's, Arsenal's, you know. Um, just, just fantastic, absolutely can, fantastic. And can can you sum, can you sum it up for you know for a young lad who may be listening to this, you know, and uh, can can you sum that feeling up to score for your you know for your team as a young lad? I mean, can you can you put that into words? Well, just I think it just in that instant, literally, it just sucks the life out of you. You know, you you're so overjoyed, the elation, the just the the fear of what what you've just done, you know. Even though it's a tap in, you're still playing for your for your team who you love, and and it's against a top team. And you know, um, I've seen I've seen Ron Atkinson since then. Ron comes over here regularly, and I've had some good banter with him about that game. You know, he's yeah. he's a smashing guy. It's just it's it's just what dreams are made of, and this is why you know kids back in them days. You know, we we didn't have a lot of money. You're kicking the ball against the wall as a little boy, and you're playing. Every minute you can for your team, your school teams, your local teams, your, your, your full area teams, and then you're going down for trials. And this is all, you know, leading to hopefully playing professional football at some level. You know, uh, so yeah, it's it's hard to describe. In the, it's hard to describe when the fans are calling your name as well. You know, it's just it's just just amazing, absolutely amazing. And how did you get on with Howard at the time? I mean, because obviously Howard was, was was starting to turn things around at that point, and things yeah, were... I, I I got on I got on well with Howard. Yeah, you know, he I think he looked at me as a goal scorer. That's what he said to me. You know, uh, I, there was parts of my game I needed to work on. You know, link up play, uh, which obviously I needed to work on. That I could I, I was. You know, happily scoring lots and lots of goals. I always seem to get myself in the right areas scoring goals, and he and he and he knew that, and he trusted me to score. As I said, it said he came up and he said, "I knew you would score today." And I think, um, you know, I had a I had a good working relationship with him. Yes, mm. yeah. and, But of course, that that changed, didn't it? I think in the September. You know, I, I think I can recall a, a game in the in the reserves. Was it? <laughs> or, you know where. You were 2-0 up at half time. Sheffield Wednesday, I think. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday, I think. And um, yeah, well, there was yeah, there was a, there was a lot of us in that team. Al. I think right. we were winning. We were winning. Sorry, no, we were getting beat. A crazy score. I don't know what it was, and he, I don't know, he wasn't in a good mood that day. And I think he, he said he was putting everybody on the transfer list, you know. <laughs> and uh, that was the other side of Howard, you know. Yeah. What, what was that? What, I mean, why? Why? Because it was a, quite a strong stance to take from a manager with young players, wasn't it? That. Yeah. Well, I, to be honest, you know, generally we'd done we'd done fairly well. Mm. You know, everybody knew they had to work on certain points, but there was no there was no certain. I, I don't think we played uh, really poorly for for Howard to do that. But you know, I think it was he was just wanting to shock lads. I think he was just so disappointed what he'd seen that that first half um, that that that's what he wanted to do, you know. Um, you had some great was, players in that squad as well, didn't you? Like Stuart Rimmer and people, you know. You mentioned oh yeah, Ian Bishop yeah. I still, as well. I still speak to Stewie now, you know, Marcy, yeah. all these boys. Yeah, uh, there was. I think there was quite a few first team lads in that in that team also that were on the way back or, hmm. you know, not not in favour at the time. So. 
uh, yeah, that was a, that wasn't a good a good day, a good night, should I say? Yeah. How did you but, come but, to leave Everton, uh, Rob? How, how did that work out? Um, well, I basically I was I was actually I came I played for the under 19s in Toulon. Well, it's the under under 21 tournament, isn't it, in Toulon now? Mm. And uh, we we'd actually got the final there, and I, I'd scored in the final there as well. I'd, I'd scored a few goals in that tournament, and we'd, a guy come up to me and he said, "Look, uh, hello, Rob. We've uh, great news." And I'm like, "What's great news?" And he said, "We've signed Gary Lineker." And I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> Thinking that's that's my days numbered. So I, I, the writing was on the wall. So I didn't really have a good holiday. Went back and um, started the the preseason, scoring lots of goals. Me and Wilco in the reserves from the off. Um, we, um, I think I'd been in New Zealand most of that summer playing for Hamilton Zealand so I was really sharp when I came back so scoring goals regularly again and then I, I went to Russia with the under-19 England squad and when I came back he said look there's that many players ahead of you I'm willing to let you let you go and that was a bit of a bombshell and I, I really didn't want to go and that's that's when sort of me and Howard sort of started to fall out because I didn't want to go, but he but he wanted me to go, you know, and I really didn't want to go. I wanted to fight for my place, you know, because I, I love that football club. Still do, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, then I went to Colour with Pop and, and unfortunately it was a big mistake going there. They were, Pop resigned after six games. I think I remember going against Brighton, my first goal for them. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he resigned that day, and, and there's just in and out of managers. And then my family got a bit um, restless in Carlisle because they're from Liverpool, and it, it just all turned very ugly, very quick, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very, very sad, but unfortunately, these things happen, you know. And I went went off to other clubs, you know. Yeah. And I guess at Everton, you know, Gary Lineker stayed just the one season. And then, yes. and then possibly, you know, the, the season that followed and, and, and the subsequent seasons, you, you know, if you'd have been able to stay, things might have changed, mightn't they? Yeah. Well, that, well this, is, this is what I was saying, Alan. You know, sometimes you can be playing out of your boots, but it's just not quite enough to get into that team that was, that was just becoming something special, you know. Um, and, I, and I don't regret being there at that time at all because no. I've got fantastic memories, you know, fantastic memories. And um, so, you know, think, things are what they are and I've got no regrets on that at all. I was going to say, um, do, you, do you still watch Everton? Do you still follow Everton? Yes, of course. Yeah, I'm still in touch with, with Pat. I know Pat's coming over here in a few weeks. Mm. Uh, so, so quite often see Pat. Um, and... Um, I'll be I'll be over at some stage for, for some games during the season. Um, my son my sons are mad Evertonians. They 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 go lots of games. My son was at the Wolves game, right? Um, and um, they've been all over all over Europe. We went all over Europe watching Everton with my brother-in-law, his sons. Um, my brother-in-law's absolutely crazy mad. He goes home and away, even though he lives in the Alamann. Doesn't miss a game, even pre-season. Goes everywhere, oh. absolutely everywhere. So so yeah. It's, uh, it's it's not a bad life really, and there's no regrets on nothing, Alan. You know. Yeah. And what do you make of Everton at the moment? I mean, a lot of frustration around this in these uh, early part of the season. Just, but... You know, we're, you know, Evertonians are, are sort of starved of of success since the '80s. You know, it was such a fantastic team, and young boys growing up, including my my sons. I just want us to win something. You know, I just I don't know. It's um, they they play pretty football at times, but. I, I, I think sometimes you see these players and, the, and because the, the data on on these players are such now where they're petrified to give a ball away. 
because the data's registered, you know, and the little tippy tappy passes. And I know Terry Terry Curran's very very um, strong on get the ball forward and 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 you know let's 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 entertain and and you know <laughs> it's. It can be boring at times, you know, well, and especially under under Ronald, I think, and, and sometimes under Martinez and the latter parts. But you hope, you hope we can get it right. I think at home we're we're fantastic at home, you know. It's just the away form. But for me, one one is a free kick or as a corner. I'm like most Evertonians, your heart's in your mouth because we yeah. just cannot defend when the ball comes in and the air. You know, again at the weekend it showed again. Mm. You know, and this is this has gone on not just through the, the present manager, this has gone on through two or three managers now, and we just cannot seem to defend, you know, high balls into the box. For me, that's, uh, this is a big issue, you know, yeah. and I think, I think we're lacking a really top goal scorer, you know, I know, I know the guys with Lukaku were like, well, he's lazy, let him go. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is, you know, obviously everybody needs a 30, 30, 35 goal a season striker just to, to get yourself in the top half of the league these days, you know, but they, they don't come around that often and they cost multi-millions of pounds and, and you still got to balance your books, you know, the football club's still a business. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, there we are, Rob Wakenshaw, and uh, good luck to him. And it's great to hear him, isn't he? You know, still following the Blues results and travelling away with his son. Uh, it really is uh, nice to hear when when former players still keep that love uh, for the club. And um, well, that moves us nicely on to uh, our final interview, which I think you'll find really, really interesting. And uh, it was uh, it's Nick Barnby, who, of course, you know, as I say, divides opinion at Goodison Park. A lot of people still hold a grudge against him because of his move to Liverpool. And, and it was very difficult. I was around at the time and, and Nick was a good friend of mine at the time and still is. Um, and he's a great lad, and I hope you give him time to listen to how he explains, you know, his time at Everton. And I think you'll find that he does have, uh, you know, a big desire uh, towards Everton and 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 a, and a, you know, a love for the club. Um, and I can back that up, you know. But uh, but first of all, I spoke to Nick earlier this week, and um, we talked about first of all about how his move from Middlesbrough uh, came about. We played when I was at Middlesbrough. We played Everton away. Um, and we won two one, yeah two one. I think I think Big Shorty scored. Uh, um, Everton went one nil up, and then Janino scored, and then I scored. Looking enough, scored the winner. Um, and uh, I well, I, I didn't know Joe Royal at the time, but um, I'd heard lots about him. And I think it coincided two three weeks later that um, you know they were interested. So it, it started from there, really, which I think a lot of players, if they've played well against certain clubs, that keeps in the, the manager's mind, really. Um, so, yeah, that's how it's, the, the ball started rolling, really. And, of course, you were the uh, the record transfer bid at the time. I think it was it 5 or £5.5 million. Pounds. And when you think about that now, it's incredible, isn't it, how things have changed? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think £5 million can get you anything now. Um which, you know, I bet people say, well, yeah, you can get your Nick Bambi. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. But, but yeah, no, no it's, um, I mean, the, I remember when uh, Gaza went for just over a million to spares and then I think it was Alan Shearer went for, what was it, three, four to to, to Blackburn. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the prices now is unbelievable. But, yeah, at the time it was a record, um, which for me was... It's fantastic. Um, just showed that how much Everton wanted us, and you know, I was uh, really as soon as Everton come in, 
uh, after playing you know against Everton for a number of years with Spurs and Middlesbrough. You know the atmosphere at Goodison. It, it, you know it was very much well more than appealing. Um, so I just wanted the deal to go through, really. Well, I remember that day well because, of course, I was given that Joe Royal came up to me and said, uh, "I want you to do me a favour and and look after Nick Barnby for me." You know, which I think I I took you to the hotel and um, and I think you nearly cut my arms off with the the boot of your car, <laughs> if I remember rightly. But uh, I mean, it was it was an exciting club at the time, wasn't it? Because they had the likes of Andre Kanchelskis, um, Gary Speed was there. You know, it was a, it was quite a it's quite they were moving on, weren't they? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the the players of um, Andreas Calibre, you had Speedo. I mean, I, I loved playing with um, with Gary Speed and Andre. You know, very very good players, but you know, re- really good people. Uh, most importantly, and you know, I was de- devastated when Speedo left, um, and, and obviously what what happened to him. Um, but yeah, when as a player, he, he really helped me when because I was only a young kid um, still then and. You know, he was he was probably at the time the most complete midfielder, um, and and he was absolutely fantastic to play for. Yeah, so it was um, I was like I say I was I was good when Andre left and uh, and Gary. And then, of course, that season, it was a strange season because I think, um, you know, obviously Joe eventually left Joe Royal, um, and I think we we missed out on on Europe by a point or two or, you know, a goal or two, I think, if I remember rightly, to Arsenal. And it could have been so different, I think, if we'd have got European football that season. Yeah, I think so. You know, like you say, it was a, you know, it was a very good side and, you know, maybe a couple of additions the next season. Um, but I, I'd, Joe was one of the best managers I played for. You know, he was a real good guy. Um, just the way about he went about his man management was was really good, and you know when you see sort of an, an Everton obviously legend of a player and an Everton legend as a manager and leave and you know get sacked, it's not very nice. And you know I remember at the time of the summer was was gutted when Joe left, um, you know because I, th- I think if it had been maybe given another another season or two, you know like you say things things might have been different. Mm. Once, obviously, Joe went. I think it was around the March time when I think there was a dispute over a couple of players coming in. And um, but in that time, I mean, one of the highlights I think that sticks out was the the game against Southampton, the seven one. And I mean that was that must have been a fantastic game to play in. I, I mean, I would say twenty, obviously more more to a, an Evertonian. But if you look at any neutral fan, if they saw that game, it was possibly. One of the most complete performances from a from a Premier League team, really. Um, if you know, you look at the, some of the goals, some great footballing goals and desire, and um, you know, obviously Speedo with his hat trick. I think it was. Am I right in saying a perfect hat trick? I think it was. Yeah, I think I was. I think it, it was a header, yeah. right foot, yeah, left foot. Um, so yeah, well. I was on fire that day. It was just that that's what we were capable of, which was a little bit frustrating really, because we wasn't, you know, consistently uh I mean you're never gonna be at that level every week, but you know, we should have done a hell of a lot more um than what we did because we when you put in performances like that and the fans see you play like that, um and, and you don't get your rewards at the end of the season, it is a little bit frustrating. But yeah, I mean it was great to play in and it's funny enough I'd seen the goals not so long back someone had it was on like a YouTube thing or whatever and yeah you always remember that game um, you know it was really really enjoyable to play in What do you think was missing from that side? 
Because as I say, we come so close, didn't we, to get into Europe? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's difficult to say. I mean, obviously, the back four very experienced. Um, you know, midfield a very good midfield. Four was, you know, I'm not so sure really. I just, I just don't think we was was con- uh, obviously we wasn't uh, consistent enough. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, was the makings of a very good side. But it's just, I mean, I've been involved in. Some teams, even with the spares, where it's the makings of a good side, and then it, you know, it gets broke up for whatever reason. Um, and the Everton team was similar, really. You know, we we had a real makings of a good side, and obviously, you remember you Granty coming through as well, which mm-hmm. Branchy coming through, and and you know, to with experience we had in Waggy, um, obviously Nev there, Andy Inchcliffe, um, L Barra. Oh, funny enough, I saw him bumped into in Texas <laughs> two weeks ago. <laughs> Um, which was great to see Small him. You know, we, we did have some really, really good, experienced players, and, and with a sprinkle of the youth. And you know, obviously the Evertonians like uh, one of their own, and we're branchy coming through, and then a young Franny Jeffers. Um, yeah, it was uh, frustrating that the team got. I wouldn't say it got disbanded fully, but obviously Speedo left, Andrea left, um, which you know you, you, you're leaving out a lot of goals there with Andrea always getting in double figures, Speedo getting in double figures. So you know that's what we missed really. Yeah, and then of course it was all change, and Howard Kendall came back, and and that was quite possibly a very difficult season, wasn't it? You know that '97, '98. Oh, yeah. I mean. You know, there was a lot of. You know, I remember early on in the game against Coventry in the cup away, and and uh, you know the manager had come on the pitch at the end, and there was a bit of arguing going on. I remember being in the dressing room and having to just come out because it was so it was so lively in there, if you for want of a better term, you know. But but it was a difficult season, wasn't it? Yeah, very difficult for everyone, really. Um, you know, obviously for the fans, for the players, you know, management as well, because um, no no one wanted that burden of Everton getting relegated for the first time um, and especially I always remember the last day of the season with the Coventry and um, the ups and downs in that game was was incredible you know we we managed to get a, an early goal through uh, Gaz, Gaz Farrelly yeah. um, still to this day he says he meant it I'm sure it was a scuff off his right foot right in the top corner <laughs> uh, but you know they all count but I remember second half when we had the penalty and I, you know, put the ball down on the spot. But I remember it being at the time where I don't know if the goalie was injured or someone was injured, but there was a big delay. And I'm changed my mind five or six times, uh, and obviously missed the penalty. And then they went up five minutes later and scored. And you thought, oh my god! Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah. But the, the good thing is, I think Chelsea beat Bolton, so. Um, but you, you didn't want that, you know, stigma and burden of, of being the first players to send Everton down. Um, you know, that sort of was on the brink of relegation. Was it three or four seasons before and against Wimbledon, um, yeah. and got a great result. And you know, we just wanted to emulate emulate that really. But you know, we shouldn't have been in that position in the first place, really. And, and what goes through your head with that penalty miss? I mean, you know, how do you get your composure back for the rest of the game? Because, you know, as you say, they went up the other end of scored and, and that 1-1 was, was crucial to keep it at that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it, it, you know, with me missing the penalty, it didn't help that the last, what, 10, 15 minutes were nerve-wracking for everyone. Because um, we, we didn't know the score from uh, Stamford Bridge. Um, you know, which really you're not going to be so engrossed in your own game. But yeah, it was uh, nerve-wracking at times, to say the least. And obviously when we, we found out the result, it was uh, 
very much massive massive relief for everyone you felt the relief didn't you after the game oh no yeah. i was in i was in the the office with howard kendall and everyone was sort of you know uh, there was a sense of not achievement but certainly you know relief as you say it was it was you know for a club the size of everton to be in that position was just i mean it's quite incredible isn't it to to think that a couple of seasons before that, you know, we were trying to get on the verge of getting into Europe, and then, you know, it just shows how quickly a team can disband. I guess. Yeah, without a doubt, and like like you say, you know, we did take away a lot of goals out out the team through Andre and, and Speedo. Um, you know, if you don't replace players like that, then, you know, obviously you you are going to struggle. But you know, it's it's it. it it's, it's the biggest cliche in football where, you know, you're too good to go down, but it doesn't matter how big the club you are, you know, if you're struggling week in, week out, then you are going to be down there. But, you know, the lads fought two for nil for, to keep the club in the premiership, um, which was important because a, a club like Everton can't, can't be playing in the championship. Um, no disrespect to any other clubs, but not like, you know, a club like Everton with a fan base and everything. So, um, you know, I suppose things like that, you look at the past, whereas now Everton, uh, the other side of the, 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 you know, they're in the top six, seven, and that's where they should be, and and really that's what they should be fighting for Europe every year, really, mm. which which they are at the minute, so which is good. Uh, and then it changed again, didn't it? Because of course Howard went in the summer. Um, there was a lot of. I mean, did, did you were you aware? Because you know th- there was a lot of talk about different managers coming in. Was, was was there a lot of unsettlement in the dressing room at that point? Um, I don't. Well, it's you know it's not nice for for obviously a manager getting getting uh, losing his job and but then the players and. Uh, through the summer, who's going to be the manager? Who's not? You know, who we're going to turn up pre-season training with. Um, but to be fair, I mean, when Walter came in, I, I enjoyed working under Walter. You know, he was a, a hard taskmaster. Um, obviously, tough Scott, him and Archie um, ruled on. Now, not ruled on fear, but they had the, the the fear factor there, which I think is important, really. Mm. Um, you know, and the lads took to it straight away. We, we got a real good pre-season under our belt and. I remember we we played quite a few games and and we played quite some some strong sides in I think Ajax and I think we played PSV or someone and you know it was uh, we had a good pre-season um, so the the lads responded well to Walter and yeah, I I enjoyed playing under Walter um, you know I liked it and things did change a lot obviously with the ranges but we had to turn up for training in shirt and ties as you remember yeah which uh, didn't go down well with the lads to be fair. Um, but yeah, no, it was um, you know it was the discipline wise was was very good under Walter and uh, like I say, I enjoyed playing under him. And then of course, along comes the uh, the time when that changed. Um, in the build up to that, what was what was going through your mind? I mean, uh, you know, because how I remember it, and I don't, you know, I don't want to put you in a position where you're talking about things you don't want to talk about, but you know. I get the sense that you wanted to continue playing for Everton and you were happy at Everton. Was that the case? Um, yeah, well, for me, I loved my time and my time was up, down, up, down at Everton. But, I, I mean, the full thing, to, to play football on Merseyside, both for Everton and Liverpool, obviously certain fans don't want to hear that, but to, to, to play for Everton and Liverpool, you know, it, it, I know they say about the North East and whatever, but the, the hotbed of football for me, um, is the Merseyside area, you know, to, to, to play on the both sets of supporters, the atmosphere, the knowledge of, of the fans with football and the history of everything. 
you know, we had an unbelievable time for six, seven years on Merseyside. And like you say, my, my contract was coming towards the end at Everton. Um, and, you know, we was told, I'm not certain sure it's true, we led to believe that that um, agreed a few fees for certain clubs. Um, I think Chelsea you know, were mentioned, which, weren't they? Yeah, we, well, I think it was Chelsea. So, so I was told, and you know, whether or not you know it's true at, at the time, but which was disappointing. And you know, we we, we was talking about contracts and things like that, um, but couldn't come to an agreement really. Um, and it, and if we was going to leave, then you know, as a player, you you want a club. You know who who you want to go to, and obviously really want you. And you know, obviously, Liverpool come in, and you know, uh, my hero, as as you know, over the years was always Kenny Dalglish, and mm. you know, it was a, a chance really to go and play in Europe at the time, and uh, and it didn't go down well, which I knew it wouldn't go down well. But you know, the people we met at Everton, and you know, we've still got good friends, and obviously in yourself, and mm. we met some great people, and I knew it was a more than a tough decision, you know, and I never took the decision lightly, but, um, you know, I knew it was going to upset quite a lot of people. Um, but like I say, I, you know, I always have fond memories of, of Everton. Um, you know, I would never call a club or whatever. And, you know, I, I enjoy playing at Everton. And it was, you know, just a chance for me um, to, to, to go on and play for two or three years at Liverpool. So, mm. Yeah, and I guess I guess you know fans who have that feeling can look at the fact that you did actually agree to join Everton and you went to Everton, you know, and you played for Everton. So, it, it, you know, in that respect, I guess you know it, it tells, says a lot about your relationship with with Everton. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I for me, looking back and and my career, um, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, you know, not many people can say you know they played for. A club like Everton, as big as Everton, a club like Liverpool. Um, so you know, I, I'm very proud of the fact that I did that. I know, you know, obviously um, because of the the, the fierce rivals. Um, you know, not a lot of people would probably agree with you, but you know, to, to like I say, you know, for me to look back and say I did play for Everton, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact. Definitely. I'll never forget though, and you, you, I think this is the first time I've told you this, but on on the first derby, which was at Anfield, and you scored that header, I ran from I was in the Anfield Road end, and I ran down to the front of the to, to the stand, and I was giving you the biggest dogs abuse right. you could ever ever imagine. Wait, wait, and I yeah, think you, you can't there, help. What three thousand? Probably back home as well. Yeah. Wait, it was and, funny that it was funny that day. Um, because Jez Paul Gerardi was my uh, roommate sometimes, yeah, yeah. and I always remember it. it was a deflected shot by I think it was was it Christian Ziga I think it was it was yeah and uh, it I mean it, it hit my head and tried to guard it and uh, I'd see Jez who was telling me afterwards he just looked at it and, and man, I don't know if he can square it he just I think he said a little bit more than uh, you little bastard that's <laughs> he just sort of looked at it and he looped in and yeah yeah. But, um, but, it, but, but I mean, I the, think... the atmosphere. I mean, but I, I always remember the first derby I played in at Anfield for Evan, and we drew 1 1, and Speedo scored, I think, the last 10 minutes. Yeah, I remember that. At the, yeah. at the cop end. And I always remember, and you'll, you'll never see it. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit different now, but the pockets of Evertonians in, in the cop. Mm. Um, and you, you just thought, wow, you know, it's just a derby, like no other derby, you know. Mm. It, probably a C Milan Inter, they couldn't do that. Or, 
um, Man U, Man City, whoever, Tottenham, Arsenal. But yeah, it was. Um, I, I loved the derbies both. You know, obviously Everton and Liverpool. It was incredible games, incredible. Yeah, just I, the atmospheres are just amazing. And I think the fact that you know you and I were, were friends. I think quite close. You know, at the time, and and you know, for me to have that reaction and run down and give you dogs abuse, you know, it just shows the rivalry, <laughs> I guess, in football, doesn't it? And and that's what we all I, have. I, but you know, I, I, yeah. Definitely. At the end I of the mean, day, I, as a professional, you're a professional and you do your job. You know. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, you did your job. But it, like you say, Al, it, 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 I knew it would, you know, uh, more than annoy. Um, you know, it was very, very controversial at the time, especially with, with I think, was it Davidson? Am I right in saying? Yeah, Davidson. Right? Yeah, he did both, um, yeah. yeah, so. I think there was a few yeah, the other way, like but I say, not many went that yeah, way. Mm. But like I say, I, I look back on, on our time and my family because I always looked after my family. Yeah. Um, you know, the good people on Mersey side. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd really enjoyed my time on there. Yeah, and, so, and, and um, I also remember a phone call actually through that period. I was on holiday in Hawaii of all places, and the phone rang, and it was you asking me, uh, you know, what, what do you think it'll be like, <laughs> you know, because you were moving, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, you know, I guess it was a, a difficult time for you and your family as well to make that decision, a tough decision, you know. So I wouldn't, yeah, it was a tough decision, and you know, obviously we had quite a bit of security with a derby and things like that mm. um, so yeah but no nah, just you know obviously ringing you just out of respect and would always do that mm. um, but yeah it was um, crazy at the time I always remember that and but then, yeah no, it's uh, we, we won't you, you'll forgive me to uh, to go past your time at Liverpool and, uh, <laughs> and what you did uh, but um, but as, as far as now I mean I know you, you're very much into uh, you're helping and supporting your lad Jack, who, who plays out in America, doesn't he? In the MLS. Yeah, um, he. Well, he, I mean, started at Man United as an apprentice. Mm. Um, signed a one-year pro there and didn't work out. Um, but yeah, he, he had an opportunity to play in America, um, which uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really want him to go at first, um, but he said no. You know, he really wanted to to grasp the challenge, so he went to Portland Timbers in um, Oregon, not uh, top of the Northwest Coast, and yeah, loved it. And he's he's now in San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it's amazing how you know you haven't seen certain people for years because there's, there's quite a few Brits out there coaching. Or bumped into Al Barrett, uh, who's living in Texas with his family now. So wow. it was great to you know to catch up with Al. Yeah. You can't go anywhere these days. Um, when you look back at your <laughs> career, though, uh, Nick, I mean, you played with some fantastic players like Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, you've mentioned Andre Kincelskis at Everton, you know, and 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 you 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 did play with some. Was it Jurgen Klinsmann who said you were the best young English talent he'd seen? Was that? Is that? I don't want to embarrass you, but is that? Um, right? Yeah, yeah, you are embarrassing me. <laughs> uh, I believe so. Yeah. Um, what was he like? I, to play you know, I, I got him well. He was a great guy. You know, I was, yeah. like I said, I was lucky enough to play. Um, for me, in an era where I thought personally, um, I played with and against the best players. You know, Tony Adams. Um, you look at obviously the United side at the time, um, and and. Alan Shearer's, Teddy Sheringham's, Jürgen Klinsmann's of this world, Zola's, Bialis, yeah. um Des um, Walker's. I, I thought our era was was really good. And I think that whenever you played, you know, it was always competitive in the Premiership. And 
um, the other side of the game where they're the defending and maybe getting clad here, you know, once or twice uh, where you had to look after yourself. Mm. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed that era personally. Um, I, I suppose a little bit of a regret of mine, you know, I'd have loved to have played with Big Nev when when he was younger, yeah. um, obviously no disrespect, you know, he's 40 odd years of age and wasn't doing the things he could do at, at you know, mid 20s, 30s, but mm. wow, what a goalie. Um, you know, obviously the Evertonian seen him in his, in his prime, but I'd have loved to, to have played with Nev in his prime because, um, you know, he's, he was still 40 odd years of age, one of the best um, I've ever played with. Amazing. Off the top of your head, what was your best memory of Everton? Um, oof. Tough. I, I would say, um, for me, you know, the, the the last season I was there under Walter, which mm. you know managed a, a more consistent season, um, and the fans were great to me, and and probably playing with, you know, Nev and Gary Speed, Andre, mm. um, and just just like say even you know all the derbies and the atmosphere at Goodison is just just incredible. You know, still them for me the old historic grounds are the best grounds. Mm. Um, so and and you know meeting good people, um, you know, which we still keep keep in contact to this day. So yeah, I've I've got nothing but you know really good memories. Uh, and you went into a bit of coaching as well. You managed whole city for a while. I mean, is that something you you want to get back into at some point? Uh, I'll be honest, I'll know. I mean, I miss miss playing. I'm sure most players will say that. You know, I loved every minute of playing, whether it was, you know, good, bad, indifferent. You know, it goes at your highs and your lows. Mm. Um, but management's different for me. You know, I, I, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I enjoyed the Monday to Friday on, you know, on the grass with the lads and whatever. But, mm. yeah, it, it's not for me. Um, so, you know, I, I did a, quite a bit with a college uh, my old school, uh, which I enjoyed with the lads, um, and we we ran a Sunday league side for what ten, twelve years. Wow. So they're all all grown up now, and um, can't keep the feet out of the pubs. So we had we had to stop <laughs> that now on a on a Sunday morning. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, you know, every now and again, we'll um, I train sort of local teams and things like that. Um, but the good thing is now we you know we can go and see Jack because his season's different to to the yeah. English Premier League. So yeah. You know, we're lucky enough that we can go out there a couple of times and and, and watch him. Well, just finally, Nick. Every time everyone comes on here, um, we have like a, what they call the twenty twenty challenge, which is twenty questions which you have to answer quite quickly. So we'll go through these if that's okay with you. Um, well, you kept that one quiet, didn't yeah, you? We'll start with this one, right? The teammate, <laughs> the teammate you trusted the most at Everton. Trusted, yeah. Oh, speeder, speeder. Okay, opponent that you avoided the most. Oof. Uh, oh, tough question. Um, I've got to answer it quick, can I? Probably. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I once played against Billy Whitehurst. I don't know if a lot of people would <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, we know him. Yeah. Billy, yeah, yeah, Billy Whitehurst. Okay. Are your favourite boots? Uh, oh, Adidas, the the first Predators. Okay. Manager or coach that you had most respect for? Oh, TV, Terry Venables. Okay. Manager or coach that you wished you'd have played for? Uh, uh, ooh, Guardiola. Love it. Favourite away dressing room? 
Well, all Arsenal at Harbury where they had the marble floors and it was heated. That's that was right, really yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, I remember going in there once and <laughs> Neville Seltzer said they've turned the heat on again. I didn't know what he was talking about. And it was absolutely boiling in there. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, they used to do that. You didn't really want to go out, especially <laughs> if he was playing in winter. <laughs> uh, opposition fans, that gave you the most stick. Now, I'm not sure what you're going to say. Well, yeah, I was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably yeah, yeah, when I, when I left the Evertonians. Uh, okay. Quite a few, actually. Yeah. Quite a few teams. Yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, I think the Everton fans will probably stick out a mile there. Uh, yeah. Uh, a position that you'd have played if you didn't play your own position? Well, obviously with my height, I want to play goalie. Um, probably full-back. Okay. They were small in them days, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The best decision you ever made in your career? Best decision? Mm. Um, I would say for... Uh, Reasons where we was back home um, signing for for my hometown club, Hull City. Yeah, yeah. Um, the most prized possession you have in football, my England cap. Okay, club that you could have joined but you didn't. Oh, there's quite a few. Um, it was the biggest one. Probably. Uh, well, I had a chance to go to Monaco. Oh, really? um, and well, yeah, Marseille coming for me when I was at Spurs. So mm. yeah, probably one of them too. I Funny think. Funny enough, Anders Limpar said exactly the same when he was on a couple of weeks ago. He he, he could have gone to Monaco before he uh, when he was at Arsenal, but Arsenal wouldn't let him go. Yeah, uh, a player that you'd oh. pay to watch. What now or then? Any time years ago. Uh, probably Maradona. Yeah, a player that Everton should have bought during your time. Uh, who's a big goal scorer? Probably Shearer or uh, Klinsman. We'll go Klinsman. Okay. Uh, the thing you most like about football? Um, well, the atmosphere, the crowds, definite. Okay. The thing you hate most about football? Probably the crowds when they get on your back. Well, losing. Got to be losing. Okay. Uh, the best goal you ever scored for Everton? <sighs> hey. Well, I didn't get many outside the box, so let me think, let me think. Um, oh, yeah, I did get one for outside the box, Sunderland away. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I remember that one. I think there was a couple down at West Ham as well, wasn't it? Did you score a hat-trick at West Ham? Yeah. You scored a hat-trick at West yeah, Ham? Yeah, well, that was always pretty lucky. Yeah, it was a pretty lucky ground for me, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK, if you weren't a footballer, what other sport would you play? I think I know this. Rugby league, rugby league. That's the one. <laughs> a big rugby league fan. I think we went to a rugby league game once, didn't we? Yeah. The two of us. We had volleyballs yeah. in the Nosley Road uh, in the Rose, Nosley Road boardroom. We did. Uh, the biggest lesson that you yeah. learned in the game. Biggest lesson I learned. Yeah. Um, I did probably discipline, really. Um, right from being an apprentice, you know, obviously cleaning boats, cleaning, changing rooms, and. Not getting ahead of yourself, yeah. Discipline. Uh, just a couple more. Who was your biggest influence on you in your football career? Uh, well, I would say Terry Venables. Really? Okay. And finally, how would you like to be remembered? I suppose, as opposed to as you are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, I always finish my career where you know people rate you, they rate you, the door, the door. Just a good professional, really. 
just as a good professional. Well, I know you were yeah. always very professional when I was at Everton, uh, Nick. I really do, and I, and I really appreciate you coming on and talking about your time at the club. And um, you know, as I say, I think a lot of people will will enjoy to listen to you know your side of things and then listen to how you speak about Everton as well, because I know I know personally what it meant to you to play for the club. So so I appreciate it very much. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, there we are, Nick Barnby there, and uh, I'm sure you'll agree, uh, quite a likeable guy. Uh, you know, I know, as I said before, you know, he will divide opinion, but um, but certainly someone who I think you know has a very uh, a, a very strong uh, love for the club and his time at, at Everton, as as it may have come across in that interview there. So good luck to Nick, and um, that's it for this episode of the Alamise Everton podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, let's hope we can get a couple of wins under our belts and uh, and get going this season because it really is, you know, as I've said before, I don't want to fall into this uh, this feeling of a mediocre season again already and we can't do that. We must have a good season. We must have a trophy this season and I hope we can. So let's, fingers crossed, we get positive and we start winning some games. Uh, hopefully, speak to you next time and until then, up the toffees. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.